Sipius has really already been doing a lot of these things, but I think it could be a signal to other countries that these are the sort of priorities that the U.S. is really looking at. And so if they want to adopt those procedures in order to try to become an accepted foreign state, I think these are the sort of things that those countries should look at closely. Welcome to the Hughes-Hubbard Anti-Corruption and Internal Investigation Practice Group's podcast, All Things Investigations. The Hughes-Hubbard Anti-Corruption and Internal Investigation Practices Group represents many of the premier companies around the world, providing advice on issues spanning the full anti-corruption and compliance spectrum. In this podcast, host Tom Fox and members of the Hughes-Hubbard Anti-Corruption and Internal Practice Group will highlight some of the key legal issues involved in white-collar and other investigations, both domestically and internationally. We will tackle topical issues involved in investigations, as well as explore how companies can prevent and detect issues that arise in conducting investigations on a worldwide basis. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and I'm thrilled to have back with me Tyler Grove from Hughes Hubbard. And we are going to go into the weeds today because we're going to talk about Executive Order 14083 relating to CFIUS. And if you don't think that applies to you, Tyler is going to explain or disabuse you of that. But more importantly, we're going to talk about CFIUS and hopefully not simply for the CFIUS practitioner out there, but I think the greater compliance professional needs to understand what CFIUS is and be ready to respond to support someone like Tyler who may be required or called upon to help in a CFIUS request. So with that incredibly long-winded introduction, Tyler, first of all, welcome back. Great. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here. So we have this executive order. Can you tell us the genesis of it and what it entails? Sure. I think the executive order is really formalizing some of the things that CFIUS has been doing over the past few years. In a way, it really doesn't really change the way that the committee approaches its review process, but it formalizes and in some ways gives the full force of the executive branch behind these priority review objectives. So there are several new factors listed, but as you indicated, these were informally considered by the committee. So could you go through each factor that's now a formal part of a CFIUS review? And really uh, tell us a little bit about what each one will detail or what you and your colleagues have been doing all along for the committee's informal requests. Yeah, of course. The first factor goes to the supply chain resilience. And what this is really looking at is a foreign investor coming in and buying a U.S. company that is a critical supplier for things like raw materials that might be used in semiconductors, batteries, high technology items like that. It also might entail U.S. businesses that are suppliers directly or indirectly to the federal government. The real fear there is that a non-U.S. investor could come in, acquire a U.S. business, and then throttle down or discontinue entirely that supply to the U.S. government. And so if you have a U.S. business that's a really critical and unique 
sort of supplier, I think those risks are going to be highlighted through this factor. The next factor is U.S. technological leadership in areas affecting national security. And this is somewhat related to the first factor in that I think it's really getting at high technology sort of industries. I think one thing in the back of the administration's mind with this factor is probably semiconductor production. You may have been reading in the news that there's been a whole host of worldwide foundries kind of consolidating their operations within the United States, opening up different foundries and semiconductor production plants in New York State, Arizona, New Mexico. There's been the CHIPS Act that just passed through Congress and provides billions of dollars of funding for this industry. And I think it also goes towards things like artificial intelligence, biotechnology, biomanufacturing, quantum computing, and really just making sure that the United States and U.S. persons control the leading edge within those industries throughout the world. So the next factor, I think in some ways, is maybe the most unique and interesting one. And this directs CFIUS to consider incremental investments by a foreign person in a particular industry or within a particular country. And the reason why this is interesting to me is because this really creates somewhat of an antitrust sort of merger review consideration, looking at not just the foreign person's acquisition or investment in a specific U.S. business, but also maybe prior investments that that company may have made or person may have made. And so here, it's really going beyond just the immediate transaction. And I think it's considering prior transactions that may or may not be within the CFIUS jurisdiction, as well as perhaps R&D developments that have been made by the foreign investor. The next one I think will be pretty familiar to anyone who has come close to playing in this space. That's right. So the fourth factor is cybersecurity risk. And this is one that CFIUS has really been interested in in a long time. Really, it's become almost of a standard follow-up question when making CFIUS filings to ask about a, a U.S. business's cybersecurity policies, any cybersecurity incidents in the past, as well as the foreign investor cybersecurity policies and how those will apply to the U.S. business after the acquisition. The fifth and final factor goes perhaps in a different direction, although I see ties to the first four factors, but what's the fifth factor and what do you see as its significance? So the fifth factor is risk to U.S. persons' sensitive data. This is a bit interesting as well because considerations over the sensitive data of U.S. persons is already somewhat baked into the regulations in the concept of a TID U.S. business, which is a U.S. business that has, among other things, sensitive data of U.S. persons. It's a very highly technically defined term under the regulations. And what I think may be the impact of the executive order in this area will be to instruct CFIUS to more broadly consider types of U.S. data of U.S. persons that may be sensitive, that falls outside of the scope of that definition under the regulations. You and your colleagues have prepared a client alert on this topic, and we're going to link to that alert in the show notes. 
But one of the interesting lessons you draw is something around something called accepted foreign state. Could you explain what that term means within the context of CFIUS and then how the U.S. government uses that or why the U.S. government finds it so significant? Sure. So this is a regime under the regulations that accepts certain non-U.S. states from the mandatory filing requirement. So some CFIUS covered transactions actually now require the investors to make a filing with CFIUS. And if the investors fail to do that, they could pay a penalty that's quite substantial up to the full value of the transaction. CFIUS, to kind of give a break to our allies and other countries that have made similar investment review mechanisms, has created this concept of an accepted foreign state. Right now, it only includes the five eyes allies. So Canada, Australia, the UK, and New Zealand. But there has been some talk of expanding that to other countries that have adopted CFIUS-like foreign review procedures in the recent years. Japan comes to mind. I believe Germany has also adopted very similar procedures. And so I think with this order, one reason why it's significant is because CFIUS has really already been doing a lot of these things, but I think it could be a signal to other countries These are the sort of priorities that the U.S. is really looking at. And so if they want to adopt those procedures in order to try to become an accepted foreign state, I think these are the sort of things that those countries should look at closely. Let's move perhaps to a broader context. And as you know, many of the listeners to this podcast are compliance professionals. In December of 2021, the Biden administration elevated anti-corruption to a national security issue. Obviously, we had the invasion, Russian invasion of Ukraine in February of 2022, putting even more pressure on supply chains. We see supply chains now specifically listed in here. And I think it wouldn't surprise anyone to hear that supply chain is is also moving to a national security issue. What I see in this, coupled with also changes in, obviously, export control and trade sanctions from the Biden administration, is a much, much more robust approach by this administration, but also a more holistic approach around issues, business issues that you and I might not have considered national security issues in the past. It's a very long-winded way of of introducing the topic. Do you see this as the administration taking a bit more of a holistic approach around multiple issues as well? Yeah, and I, I think in a lot of ways, CFIUS has really been a flexible tool for the administration to apply its foreign policy. I mean, as you may know, CFIUS's whole purpose is to address so-called national security concerns in investments by foreign persons. But the term national security isn't even defined under the regulations. And so it really gives the administration a lot of flexibility to determine what actually constitutes a national security risk or threat. And so I think with COVID, especially supply chain concerns have really come to the forefront. It's really opened up the eyes of a lot of people to understand that we need to be able to secure and trust our suppliers for critical items that are coming into the United States. The other thing is that this is not a democratic issue. This is not a Republican issue. This is now two consecutive 
administrations from very different ends of the political spectrum, but becoming very much more robust around CFIUS and a wide variety of other trade and economic issues. And it just strikes me that there's a recognition, as you said, of the need for supply chain. And I don't think it would surprise anyone around a need for cybersecurity or sensitive data as well. But now we see that enshrined, and and I see that as a positive step from this administration communicating to the business community. These are the things that concern us. Is that a fair assessment uh, from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think so. A lot of U.S. businesses are looking for investment and maybe coming within the jurisdiction of CFIUS and may have to go under a CFIUS review. I think they should be considering these sort of things, making sure that their cybersecurity policies are up to snuff, making sure that their supply chains are secure, that their suppliers have been properly vetted, really that all of their compliance risks have been addressed prior to the CFIUS review. So I hope you are not called on Friday afternoon saying, hey, we've got to submit this by Monday. That may happen. But what I wanted to ask is, when is it appropriate to bring in an outside expert to prepare for a CFIUS review? Is it during the discussion phase of a potential investment? Is it when someone should begin due diligence? How would you counsel someone thinking through these issues to bring in someone like yourself or your colleagues? Well, really, the early, the better. If a CFIUS filing is required, really the quickest it can get through the process is within 30 days or 45 days, rather, of filing a short-form declaration. And then you also have to build in the time to actually draft the declaration, get it on file, get it accepted by the committee. So at a minimum, you're really talking about probably two months prior to closing. If a full notice is required, for example, in a transaction that raises significant national security risk, then you could be talking about 90 plus days. The whole CFIUS process in that that instance could take 120 plus days. Tyler, many of the listeners to this podcast will be familiar with other regulators, CFTC, CFPB, SEC, DOJ, et cetera. Uh, They understand that there's a certain amount of give and take. Someone like yourself or myself might provide information. Questions might come back. uh, Additional information, you might have meetings, Zoom calls. Is that sort of give and take part of the CFIUS process or can it be? Yeah, I think it definitely is. Typically what happens with a CFIUS filing is the filing is made and then the committee will raise certain specific questions about the transaction, the parties, the company's products, things like that. And if a national security concern is identified throughout that process, there is a negotiation period. So there's definitely a time to go back and forth, advocate for why that concern really is not as significant as the committee may be viewing it, and then really working with the committee to find ways to mitigate their concerns in a way that's going to be practically feasible from a commercial standpoint for the business. Well, Tyler, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. I wanted to thank you again. Uh, I find the CFIUS process endlessly fascinating, and I really see a lot of overlaps in a lot of other areas. And I hope that uh, people will heed your call and uh, call early rather than late. I hope we can continue this discussion. That's great. Thank you, Tom.